0: Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host Stefan Neff. Another fantastic day today um, because I'm actually honored to have John Davis on my show. John is a man who for 10 years defined himself in a very specific way, as a strong man, as as a military man. And... Um, with all the things that come with that, um, you need to be a certain personality within the military. But then what happens when you get out of that military? So one day there is a day of discharge. And now what? Now a different lifestyle. How do you adapt? And how do you adapt to such a dramatic change when you then throw in, bit of trauma you know the odd explosion the odd ied the odd being shot at and yeah that somehow doesn't really wash so well with our survival uh instincts that we have got in there and sometimes they get wrapped up a little bit yeah uh been there done that got the anxiety attacks for it and therefore i want to know how my guest today changed his life around in such a way that he is now going out there and teaching others about transformation, about being, being, well, now being a role model after having, like me, looked at far too many bottles and <laughs> has done some other really good coping mechanisms so that we are going to go into that fear. Yeah, right. Cool. So, John, welcome to my show.
1: Thanks for having me on, Stefan. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh,
0: no, it's cool. Man, Uh, when did you go into the military? Was that always a dream of yours, or was that something that just sort of happened?
1: Well, when I, you know, when you get out of high school, you kind of have three traditional options you're thinking school, workforce, or military. Mm. And at the time, I went to college because that was what you're supposed to do. It wasn't necessarily because I felt any great drive to get an education or learn anything, it was just kind of the next reasonable life step. And when I got there, I was far too immature to make anything of it. I liked girls and drinking at 18 and 19, <laughs> a lot more than I liked going to class. And that reflected in, in my coursework. So I ended up dropping out of college and heading straight for the military recruiting offices, because I figured mm-hmm. this might be, you know, my grandfather was in the military and he said that it might straighten me out a little bit at the time was was his words so now 10 years later the military straightened me out a little bit but it took a while
0: (laughs) no shit sherlock (laughs) well 10 years in the military would probably do it for most people to get you at least a bit straight was it difficult for you to go into into such a hierarchical system because when you loved the girls, when you love the booze, um, you were probably not so well disciplined at that time. Was that a shell shock for you to 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 go for boot camp?
1: I think it's just it's such a dramatic life adjustment that I think the 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 transition presents problems for everyone. It's an entirely different way of life. I was used to a far more individualist way of living and the military is very communal you're on a team you're working together for a common purpose Mm. and then they kind of depersonalize you a little bit it's not really a malicious thing it's just kind of the nature of the beast to where i wasn't called my first name i wasn't called john i was called private davis and then sergeant davis and then for me my struggles never really came in the military that came when i got out and i had to figure out who to be again Interesting, interesting. What was your military specialty? Infantry. Nice. So you stuck with that? Well, yeah, in Afghanistan, kicking indoors, doing things like that. Mm-hmm. Which, in, interestingly enough, my combat experiences didn't bother me as much as trying to figure out who I was again after the military. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of people, I think, kind of think combat is is the thing that causes veterans problems when they get out. But non-combat veterans in the United States actually kill themselves more than combat veterans. Interesting. And you can
0: imagine it, though, because you have got such a structured life um, where more or less everything is clearly prescribed. There are certain rules for absolutely everything. You've got standard operating procedures for, you know a lot of things. And the more specialized you become, the more these these things apply. Uh, In the Special Forces, you go for every single bloody scenario and create an SOP for it. So, Mm -hmm. which is actually really, really cool. No one does that in real life. And then suddenly I can see that when you come from such a structured world into a world where you actually um, have not been thinking in, in, in a certain way for, for 10 years, you are lost. And I think that is the, the, the common thing that you find in many type A personalities, but also in, in many, many people who have really thrown themselves into their job, maybe to escape um, their childhood, maybe to escape their, their other traumas, workaholics, are just as bad as alcoholics. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm the man. Okay, I, I I think I was a workaholic long before I was an alcoholic, because I I was just under ten percent in there, and I guess you were doing the same thing within your speciality within within your job, so to speak. Um, it is, it's intriguing. So was there. It's interesting what you say that that for ten years you were in there, was there actually a planned transition where actually by the time you were you had your day of discharge, uh, were there actually some support systems in place from the military to assist you.
1: The military is more concerned about you while you're serving. They you know, they put all this time and energy and money into training you and making you the best soldier you can. Yeah. But then once, once you're out, I mean, you're on your own. There's yeah. more so than people think. That's just kind of how it goes. And like you mentioned, there's not really a blueprint for civilian life. I mean, there's not a blueprint for life at all. But especially jumping from the highly structured nature of the military into civilian life was a struggle. I started off, I got lucky because I started off at college which is why I wrote my book and why I want to help veterans because you have to meet people where they're at. And the first stop for veterans when you got in the military is traditionally college. Unless,
0: of course, you have got rip-roaring tinnitus and other, uh, other problems. And I read your book. <laughs> you were describing sort of the, being there in that in that new world and you couldn't hear shit from the, from the, the instructor, from the professor in the front. <laughs> you gave him. Yeah, you were, hey, man. <laughs> I could just see that happening. It made me cringe when I read that. My, oh, my. I mean, it is... Um was how did that how did you go about that? I mean you must have felt you- like a dick and and that on top of you trying to adjust. Man.
1: You feel so feels so out of place. It's hard figuring yourself out when you you're in there, you're year. you're at least 10 years older than everyone. You're a non-traditional student. I had some service connected disabilities that provided, you know, problems beyond just the learning. And student veterans tend to be older. They tend to have more responsibilities, tend to have families, tend to need to work. And as you know, your economic health obviously plays a lot into your um mental health. Health. Hmm. And I got lucky because I got a job helping other student veterans at my school Beautiful. working part-time. So that kind of led into me making this checklist of here hmm. when I give to new veterans that come in school. I made this checklist for them. Hey, John's success college tips. It kind of like here's a map of the school. Here's how you be successful here based hmm. on my experiences. And then that morphed into the book that I wrote.
0: That was brilliant. But let's go back to to your military specialty. Um you were infantry, um, and you made it to sergeant. So you got promoted on uh, on your various tour of duties. Um you were basically already in a leadership role uh, as being mm-hmm. a sergeant there. Um did those leadership qualities uh were you able to transfer them over? Um or yeah, they... is that initially actually such a such a <clears throat> Break up in in the world that that was not able
1: that 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 you were not well, able to use that. As you know, it's it's easier to lead others than to lead yourself. And <laughs> oh, kinda, nicely said. I mean, I kind of <laughs> threw myself into help. You know, looking to help others and self leadership is a little bit more complicated. You can always tell people what to do. You can say, "Hey, do this," but then doing it yourself is an entirely different different ball game. So for me. What really helped me the most is just helping other people, which mm. sounds, you know, because I, I wanted to be someone that they could come to with their problems. Mm. You're not going to come come to someone with your problems if if they got more than you.
0: Very cool. Um, at the same token, it is uh, if you see someone who is probably not so... Um, so versed in life, and he wants to give you advice. You think you're right. You've barely <laughs> just stopped breastfeeding, and now you want to give me a tip. Yeah, fuck you. Um, yeah, it's
1: always the guys who are out of shape at the gym that are giving all the fitness advice.
0: <laughs> exactly, you, you <laughs> the, say it.
1: <laughs> the guy with no money giving you giving exactly. You advice. Exactly, exactly
0: right. <laughs> so therefore, I think it's it's good if you're uh, if you have been in in the shit yourself and you know what you're talking about that makes you so much more a authentic uh specimen uh, so that's actually mm-hmm. cool how many veterans are actually out there i mean for crying out loud what are what are the figures in the united states how many percent of the population actually go to the military are there figures out? so there?
1: the the military now is more disconnected from society than ever before only less than 1% of people serve in the military in the United States. And the issue from that 1% is that they all come from military families. So 80% of people serving report having a close family member, like a parent that served. So you have this kind of small segment of the population that's kind of shouldering the burden of protecting the nation. True, 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 true.
0: but having said that, the way I understand the, the societal structures in the United States is that, that for many young men, the military is a way out of their maybe not so ideal lifestyle. Their their mm-hmm. you know their rough times. So therefore, you would expect that these particular people who are finding themselves in in deep trouble and and needed to be straightened out like you just said um that uh, there is no strong military history in their families so how does how, well, is that what i described to you is that a prejudice or is that a, a wrong perception
1: i think that the kind of the vietnam mentality of go to the military or, or go to war or go to jail kind of stuck a little bit yeah. and people have an idea of the military you know that it's kind of an option of last resort for people, right. which it, it sort of was for me to where it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm 19 years old. I can't really get a job that I like other than, you know, and i failing out of college. Yeah. So it, it seemed like a good option. Fair call. Fair call. I know from,
0: from your book that you certainly um, tried to, to, um deal with the pressures of life at various stages in your in your career and after your career in interesting ways i mean you you went to college you then went on to To go to Harvard to to actually, um, and I give it away. This is the most attuned uh, graduate from Harvard, (laughs) okay, okay, that is out there. And I'm I'm still trying to convince him to actually take his shirt off, guys. So, (laughs) (laughs) so he's not yet biting, but I'm getting there. (laughs) So, um, where does all that come in? I mean, so far, what you've been explaining to me. Yes, I was in the military, structured, and now I'm helping students boom <laughs> there's a little right. bit something missing in the middle there
1: <laughs> well when I when I first got out of the military you know I was used to someone telling me what to do for so long mm. and then when nobody appeared to tell me what to do I went down a rabbit hole of PTSD and pills and alcohol and I I think a lot of my problems started because I was over medicated by the VA to where I went in there saying hey I have you know, I have these issues with anxiety. I have these flashbacks from my combat experiences. I'm trying to figure out who I am. I don't know what to do with myself. And then they kind of threw all this, an entire pharmacy at me. And that really, then I started self-medicating, overusing the pills, combining them with alcohol Mm -hmm. and really went, you know, went to a dark place. It was kind of, it was kind of a roller coaster. Um, initially, and I'm happy that I landed in college, uh, and that provided a little bit of structure for me that I, that I really needed. What was the time frame um, where you sort of, um, explored other avenues? Um, probably about six months before okay. I ended up. Yeah. Kind of probably when I was running out of money that I figured out something to do. <laughs> but I, when I was in, you know, I thought that when i was in afghanistan the thing that had really i would say shaken me the most and impacted me the most was seeing uh education for young girls there to where young girls were not i mean more than actively discouraged to not learn how to read mm-hmm. um i was in an area where we were trying to open up schools for girls and that was obviously kind of a no go and people would come shoot at the schools try and blow the schools up mm-hmm. and seeing that kind of response you know, to me as as an American was a little shocking. So I thought that getting the education would be a good start. And initially, I wanted to do like work in refugee camps because mm-hmm. I thought that that would be a good landing place for my combat experiences. So I went to Harvard for international education. When were you in Afghanistan? Which deployments? Uh, 2000, 2010 and 2012. Okay, cool. A little over two years.
0: And then, yeah. And everyone who knows a little bit about the conflict there knows about the, the struggles and the ups and downs and, and the, the attempts to change a society. Uh, because it's not just Taliban. It's not just this kind of black and white uh, kind of picture of baddies and goodies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's far more complex with tribal problems and just a way of life that is so different to the United States. So I think that's fair to say, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah, when you're when you're over there, you really, but I really developed kind of a love for the people because mm-hmm. all they had known is hardship. Mm-hmm. And then you get back to America, you know, Western culture, and people are complaining about not enough whipped cream in their coffee or something like that. <laughs> when after seeing extreme poverty, yeah. you're like, these people have never had electricity and never taken a hot shower in their lives. You know, seeing things like that really made me eventually appreciative. And gratitude is such an empowering empowering thing once
0: you actually accept it as part of your life and and you did. But then again, there was uh, there was uh, this this kind of uh, of getting confused and trying to figure out who you really are. I mean, you were saying you you basically went after the girls, you went after the booze, you went after the drugs. You basically tried to what 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 did the drugs do? to you what what did you get out of it was it escaping the reality was it was it an escape from the nightmares Uh, and from
1: maybe the hyper vigilance the anxiety what did that work no it didn't work in in fact I think it made made things a lot worse because I was you know I think the more the more pills I took even the prescribed ones you know the worse off I got to where I felt eventually like I was just sleepwalking through my life. I was either, you know, sleeping too much or not sleeping at all. Mm -hmm. And then just the pills deadened kind of my life experiences. I felt like I was, you know... So there was the
0: pharmacological treatment after PTSD. Mm -hmm. And fair call, uh, that certainly has a role to play. What about acceptance uh, therapy? What about other uh, cognitive behavioral therapies? Uh, What about other other, um, approaches towards the PTSD? Did you get support there?
1: So, yeah, I did all that. I did the the group therapy, the individual therapy. Um, Eventually, I kind of became fed up with the therapy system and started pursuing my own and i think that's kind of where i had you know a measure of success at least in in finding myself again Mm. was pursuing my own versions of therapy and not ones necessarily prescribed to me Mm. was the tattooing the therapy that was part of it i actually i wrote an article about tattoo therapy because you uh you, you transform yourself when, you're, oh. when you get a tattoo. And tattoos and military culture have kind of long and been intertwined with each other. Yeah. The first military tattoos were uh, Japanese samurai who would tattoo the village on them, on their body, so they knew where to take the dead body back if they died.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Shit. <Yeah>. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> well, we have evolved a
0: little bit with the tattoos nowadays. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, um, and now now what i found is you know for me um nature has been very healing so i live in the dominican republic where i'm where i'm able to you know swim in the ocean walk in the jungle and really connect with with nature and that's been a very healing experience um a lot more than any of the medication i was given it's you know it's enabled me to find mindfulness some more gratitude and just an appreciation for being alive when a lot of my friends unfortunately are not.
0: With that, are you referring to those victims that or those those soldiers that never came home from their deployment? Or are you referring to others that came home with you and now now are no longer there?
1: Well, as of I think a few years ago, um now I've lost more friends, you know, to suicide than the battlefield. And the battles you fight in your head are always the hardest and so many veterans when they get out struggle finding themselves again and i i mean i almost became you know part of that suicide number as well there's definitely dark times in my life where it it crossed it crossed my mind and you know it's 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 a little difficult to talk about now but looking back at myself then um I'm very happy to have the opportunity to help other veterans. You know, that's what I'm so excited to come on here and talk to you. And now that my book is gaining traction and helping helping student veterans at a pivotal part in their lives, it's really been extremely rewarding. So it's kind of like the momentum that I have now in life is is what's keeping me going.
0: But of course, you need to get there first to that point and that is where we all are once you once you actually come to a point where you make peace with with yourself and maybe maybe even start accepting yourself as you are and maybe even loving yourself warts and all scars on the outside and on the inside um that's that's the hardest the hardest thing but once you achieve that and once you start giving back either in the form of writing a book or or, or talking with others in a, on a one on one or a group etc or or going out and speaking to us it is that suddenly makes you explode or it makes you feel a power of 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 healing that i mean giving giving others and helping others can be such a meaningful thing. And I think I got that sense from you that that was really what is defining you and what was maybe helping you. Mm-hmm. You were lost when you started it at uh, at college. And by you just putting together a few tips, you wanted to prevent that happening again to others. And that's, one of, that's a very noble and beautiful thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and... You know, PTSD, it just doesn't have to be a forever diagnosis. I think we look at it like once you're diagnosed with PTSD or even like, you know, really anything, it doesn't have to be forever. There there are things that you can do. You probably always have that with you. But there are things that you can do to, you know, experience growth from the bad things that you went through. Well, that's true. And not only focus on the negative. So that's that's why college was a good point. You know, a good starting point for me. But also when you learn things like, which, you know, probably seems obvious, but people with college degrees kill themselves less. So you get more veterans, more college degrees, you know, you have a shot at reducing the suicide numbers because once you have, once you have the degree, it's not only about getting a diploma, it's about kind of who you become along the way. There's a journey of self-growth that you can take at college if you're so inclined, but. You don't always have to obviously my first go around to college there wasn't a lot of self-growth happening
0: <laughs> okay but i guess you i take your point there because college is is still incredibly full of freedom compared mm-hmm. with the working world where you are 40 hours 50 hours uh just in there where not necessarily growth is 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 part of your daily life but it's not a grind just more grind um So, I mean, and to a certain degree, that's actually quite good in the United States because um, as a veteran, you get, uh, you get
1: very easy access to colleges, isn't it? Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the, the biggest benefit of, of serving is you get to go to, you get to go to college. Um, You know, I did my entire undergrad and my master's entirely, you know, for free, um, Mm. which people plunge themselves obviously deep deep in a debt in pursuit of a college degree and a lot of veterans that can go for free choose not to so i yeah. wanted to give people the confidence oh. to be able to walk in the classrooms and feel like you can do well if you utilize the skills you learned in the military hmm. interesting interesting that you say that and ultimately i mean
0: it is it's interesting so if you say the the skills that you learn in military are helping um, or can help you tremendously why then do we see people struggling coming out of
1: the military it's easy to focus on the negative and you know i mean you know as i know you're not being called a doctor but you know as a doctor whatever you focus on is is going to grow so when you focus on ptsd when you focus on your problems it's going to grow so it's it's so easy to just you know kind of zero in on that and forget about the good things the military taught you. So like for me, when I started off in college, I I've never been late for anything since the day I joined the military. I think I was late one day and I had to do pushups for every minute I was late and while getting yelled at. So, exactly. you know, I've, never late for anything and that's what college is sometimes and that's what life is it's just showing up if you show up in the right place at the right Absolutely. time and the right in the right clothes you're going to be you're going to be okay
0: <laughs> not just okay 80% of success is showing up and that exactly. is so nice it is uh, so many times when uh, that, uh, some very interesting things happened in my life at moments when I so did not want to be there but I made a point of showing up and suddenly I thought, what the fuck? How did that now happen? And opportunities come along that you otherwise would have never grasped.
1: I had, to- Yeah, and you have, it just takes putting yourself in a position to get the opportunities. And that's why, in, you know, in college, there's so many opportunities around you all the time to network, there's guest speakers, there's clubs, there's groups. That- it's one of those places where you can really meet a broad know diverse group of people who are all kind of on the same self-betterment route and there's also great role models there i mean i one thing that i encourage people to do is when you're in college you need some type of mentor so one of the chapters in my book is called reach up and reach down it's all about you should have a mentor but you should also be a mentor because both of those things really give you give you a lot um so when I was in grad school. I had the opportunity to go speak to Congress and I wanted to create a um, a program, kind of a mentorship role for student veterans in the United States to where a successful student veteran will get paid to mentor and coach other junior veterans while going to school. Nice. So I went and got the opportunity to do the pitch to Congress They didn't care very much and (laughs) nothing, (laughs) nothing got done, but it was a tremendous learning experience. And then that's what kind of made me think, okay, maybe my route of helping isn't through legislate, isn't legislative actions or anything like that. It's more the, you know, one-on-one help. And that's what led me to writing to try and reach a greater number of people. Beautiful, beautiful. And I think that, that the key thing there to say is that,
0: that again, you're taking action. And you are not you you have refused to be a victim, you refuse to be even a survivor you have become a thriver um you have transformed yourself more and more um by taking action and that is I think that is the key to to any kind of improvement. Did the writing process help you when you you it started, did was that was that yeah. something that actually helped you heal, or was it
1: more to give you a sense of of purpose when when I think it's for both, but when you're when you're writing, you're automatically more reflective. You have to okay. think about things and then you have to rewrite them and edit it. So it really let me analyze um my own life and then helping other you know problems are always kind of easier to spot in other people than in yourself. (laughs) So when I was doing, you know, coaching student veterans at school, they would, they, you know, I'm like, well, here's your problem. You're not going to class. So that's, you know, that's, that's pretty easy to figure out. And a lot of the problems we have are the solutions are simple. You know, I like to say that problems are really complicated. Solutions are easy. So your problem is you're an alcoholic, your solution, which is a complicated problem, but your solution is stop drinking. Which, you know, it's two words. Stop drinking. It's harder said than done, mm. but it's easier, easier to spot the problems in other people. So when I was helping people, I it really opened my eyes to the mistakes I was making. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. I
0: I was I could smell a PTSD or a depression on alcoholic a mile away. I mm-hmm. was very good in diagnosing it in my patients. boy, did I struggle to accept that exactly those things were also applicable to me and that was interesting. I had far more denial there than than maybe you did there i I think I put far more hurdles up there. I mean did you have a did you have a one wake up call moment one oh, many 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 <laughs> um but the God, I was not ready to hear them. Okay, the universe is throwing throwing you signs up. And in my case, the universe was probably standing there with a two by four (laughs) brick, trying to beat me over the head. And I said, no, just give me a sign. (laughs) No, give me a sign. (laughs) It was that. So I just didn't want to know. Okay, it was, I was in denial for such a long time. And I think that is the, the key thing there. I didn't have mentors. I didn't have I, I I didn't I didn't choose to look out for a different life. I was quite happy to be the victim. I was quite happy to to drown my sorries in in vodka per gallon. Um mm-hmm. it was it was so bizarre. And it was only when I came into rehab that essentially I spoke those words. I am an alcoholic. And bloody hell. I mean, I had hidden that fact for so long. I was quiet for so long when it came to that. Thereafter, for a week, he couldn't shut me up. I was singing it from the rooftops. I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) And it was so beautiful (laughs) to actually admit that you have got a problem. God, did you have the insight? I mean, the PTSD, first of all. Was it clear to you that you had it or did you actually
1: deny it? Was there a kind of, no, 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 I'm strong. I get over that. I think there's for me, I think I kind of was misdiagnosing a lot of my problems that and attributing things to PTSD, there were actually more transition stress. Uh, just to where I never really fully felt like I transitioned out of the military. When I first got out, I felt like I was kind of had one foot in the military, one foot in civilian world. Yeah. And when you're like that, you feel like you don't belong anywhere. And oh, when yeah. veterans feel like you don't belong that I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's very sad because like when I got out of the military, I went back to my small hometown in Iowa and I just felt like a stranger there. I felt like I didn't belong because I had, I had changed so much. The world had changed you know, over the course of my military career, and you get back and you feel like a stranger in your community and isolation is, you know, the real, the real danger for veterans. And that's why community is so important. And in the military, you live this communal life and civilian life has gotten more and more individualized, especially with the rise of social media and things like that. So true. So true. And again, that is where you're saying uh, is
0: find your tribe, find your, find the the people who, um, maybe live the life that you actually would like to live. Mm-hmm. So seek out role models and try to hang around
1: with them. Um, so to speak, I had yeah, your environment uh, matters that, so much who you surround yourself with. Um, there's a, there's kind of a famous military, uh, Story. So heroin use in Vietnam, about 20 percent of U.S. soldiers were just addicted to heroin while mm. while they were there and because the the war was so brutal. It was so difficult. There's such, you know, you're thousands of miles from home in a country that you probably had no desire to ever be in. Mm. And then when all of these soldiers got back to America, 90 percent of them stopped using heroin overnight. Which is an off the chart success rate with heroin addicts. Mm. As you know, you know because your environment where you're in is so impactful to your over being, and that environment was just hell. Interesting. I didn't
0: know that statistic, um, but it makes a hell of a lot of sense. And it's again, it's the willingness though to show up and to, therefore to actually take action. Because if you remain in the victim role, you don't take action, you're passive, you're, you're often uh, so absorbed in your pity party, that you don't take action, you don't show up um, when maybe there is an opportunity for you to do something different.
1: And it it's so easy happens. for veterans to be victims. I feel like I feel like it's because it's a, the military is a convenient yeah. scapegoat. So you yeah. can always pick, like, odds. Oh, it's it's because of the war, it's because yeah. of the military, it's because of this that. Yeah. But you know, the, the victim outlook is never going to get you anywhere worth going. Feeling sorry for yourself is never going to, yeah. never going to lead you anywhere you want to go. And whilst. The uh,
0: it the picture is so clear with veterans. If you look at other people who end up in similar scenarios, which has nothing to do with the military, you can actually draw so many parallels. So if you're mm-hmm. an economic refugee, uh, because your country is just going tits up, and you're you're trying to find yourself somewhere in a new place, you're in the same isolation, the same uh, you know you're a foreigner in in a place, it, it, all those kind of things. So the the people. People who are moving to a different country are often isolated. Um, and it is where there are many, many other uh, um, comparisons you can draw. So the ultimate principles though, or the, the problems that arise from that are remaining the same. Um, mm-hmm. So therefore, also the solutions are essentially actually relatively straightforward. Yet, why are so few of us actually actively looking out for it? What makes you change? What made you change? You were saying I ran out of money, and probably out of places where you can put tattoos. Okay, I give you that, <laughs> but but no, there's more. There's more. What actually made you switch? And what made you switch then in college again? Because
1: initially you were pissed off. What I had a I I remember this kind of moment where I had with a, fr- a military friend of mine. And I was always kind of complaining and playing the victim. I, You know, I complained, oh, my therapy is not helping me. The medication is not helping me. The doctor's not helping me. The government's not helping me. You know, my mother's not helping me. Just kind of blaming whoever I could find. And finally, he just snapped at me. He said, what are you doing to help yourself? And I didn't have an answer. And that's what kind of led me into, okay, um, you know, maybe I'm my responsibility because, The person in the mirror is going to be the only person that can fix you and i think i leaned on uh thinking okay the government messed me up so they have to fix me but if they're the ones that messed you up they're probably not going to be able to fix you so (laughs) kind of when i started taking that personal responsibility that's when i really started getting some getting some growth Mm. indeed and i think that is that is such a beautiful
0: concept Um, Choco Willing, Navy SEAL, uh, he wrote uh, Extreme Ownership. And in this book, he he explains that, that the principle that everyone is responsible for the things that happen. And you could say, oh, no, 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 how can I be responsible? Well, he sort of says, well, you know, if you are in charge of a man and he fucks up, then you either have not explained the mission right to him, you haven't given him the right equipment, you have not trained him properly. Um, so, okay, fair call. If someone above you fucks up, then did you give that person the right information to make the right call, etc. So there's always you are actually involved. You're not passive. Sitting back, oh, it's all their fault. Oh, it's all his fault. No, it is actually you take part of it. I like that principle a lot. Uh, And that is when you do, when you recover from an addiction and you look at the 12-step program, that's exactly step four. That you do a brutal inventory of what really is going on. And we we do these kind of beautiful lists, they kind of um the resentment and anger list is cool. You you're gonna write, oh Jim, um, he did that, and that's how it made me feel. Oh, I was so angry, and that sort of you you keep going, boom, 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 one line after the other. And then after a few days or weeks, depending on your progress, uh, your mentor or your, whoever helps you will come back to that list. And we'll actually say, "Cool, now three columns. Now let's add a fourth column. Where was, where were you, there? And did you play a role in that? Maybe what was, how was your contribution to the whole scenario? And moment that actually happens, oh boy, oh boy! Suddenly the whole whole thing changes, and I think that was one of the hardest things for me to take." responsibility for my own fuck ups, it was so much easier to actually blame other people, and the world and the universe, and then I don't know, full moon, um, rather than actually understanding that maybe my own core values were fucked up. And my the way that I was behaving um, in response to, to my environment, but also in response to my own emotions, oh boy, maybe not so pretty.
1: Well, that's what I think is so great about that I learned from Alcoholics Anonymous is the concept of just the sponsor, because everybody has a sponsor and everyone is a sponsor. And that's something that, you know, I learned from my grandfather, who's really big in Alcoholics Anonymous. He's been sober like 60 years now, which <laughs> is, you know, it's always funny <laughs> And he's like, he's ninety-four, and I was, you know, he still says it's a struggle, which is, you know, to me, it's,
0: cool that? it's
1: scary and beautiful when he when he says that, you know. Oh, how beautiful is that, John? I need to meet
0: this man. You need to introduce <laughs> me to your grandfather. Uh, that is a guest on my show, because ultimately, shit will not go away. On the contrary, trauma will not go away. You 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 sort of put some trauma to bed. Other trauma helps you to grow. That's what you were relaying, uh, referring mm-hmm. to this post-traumatic growth as an alternative to post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, so that's all good. But guess what? New trauma will come.
1: Yay! Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's what's so easy to. Because everybody has a sad story. Everybody has a victim story. Everyone has things that happened to them. And even if it's their own doing, it still happened. Mm. So how you come back from that is kind of what I'm most most interested in. And for me, especially with veterans, I think it's finding your new identity, finding a new challenge, and finding a new life mission. Because the military Mm. is a very challenging environment. And you get out and you don't pursue challenges in the same way. So what I want veterans to do is to move towards things that scare you a little bit, that are hard in life. Because it's so easy to take your foot off the gas pedal, and kind of kick your feet up and you say, OK, well, I, you know, kind of rest on your laurels. Like oh, I did this. Yeah. I went to war. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. So now I'm just going to relax. And but the type <laughs> of people that join the military aren't the type of people that should be bystanders. Nice one. Nice one. And indeed, uh, one of my earlier guests or earliest
0: guests really on my show um, was a soldier who uh, was the tip of the spear, the kind of infantry. I identify myself as a ass kicker. And then unfortunately, a machine gun was a bit stronger than him. And he had his, his ass kicking days cut short. And he was lost for a long time. And then finally, finally, he allowed himself to listen to other vets who came along to actually say, Hey, look, today, we're going to learn how to golf. Come along. And he finally said, Okay, why not? Turns out golfing was not for him. And then another time they came along and, and said, You know what, we learn to do stand up comedy, we do a course for stand up comedy. And he thought, Yeah, okay. And he went along guess what he's doing nowadays? <laughs> he's a comedian. Okay? <laughs> so, here you go. Show up. Expose yourself. G- go outside of your comfort zone. That is where the magic happens. And you have no fucking clue what, will, what is really triggering you, what is in a positive way, what makes you grow. You don't know. So, therefore, if you just play it safe, I'm the victim. Well, no. Take action. And check it out what happens you know see
1: most and that's of the- why you got to study you got to study and build your own growth plan i think a lot of people nice. they're like you know they they show up to the show up to the therapist and they kind of put the responsibility on them mm. when they're only there to kind of help guide you and mm. unfortunately the reality of the world is not every therapist is a great therapist mm. you know like every basketball player is not a great basketball player there's so many therapists in the world now and Then you have, I think, the kind of dark shadow of money over the therapy industry as well. A lot of people get paid from problems, you included, because in the military, when you get out, if you're significantly messed up, you get disability payments. And when you're paid to be disabled, where's your incentive to heal? Where's your incentive to grow? And then plus, if you lose, you know, if you heal, you fix yourself, you lose those dollars and nobody wants to lose money. Ooh, ouch! Erotic. So that's cynical I, I, way of looking at things. I, but I, I absolutely in- hate the term when veterans call themselves disabled. It, you know, it doesn't because I've met people. I have friends with no legs. You know, a friend of mine who's blind and they don't consider themselves disabled. But you meet these people and they're you know permanently disabled. And it's like you're never really permanently disabled if you believe that you can get better. Mm.
0: And let's be be very clear about that. We are not talking negatively about disabled, okay? Please, guys, don't write in, oh, you're dishing the (laughs) the disabled community bullshit. We are saying what we're dishing is the victim mentality. Right. And the passive, aggressive, it's all your fault. You make me better. And from now and then, I see that still at work. I mean, luckily nowadays I'm I'm an anesthetist. Uh, I do purely anaesthetics. In the past, I was a pain physician, and and there were patients who came with all their twenty years of problems. You doctor need to fix me, and you just know that you're on a on a very hard hard in a hard position there because you know you need a frontal lobotomy to make this guy do something different. And Mm -hmm. makes it really, really hard. Now, whilst nowadays when I run my show here, virtually every guest is saying the same thing. They are maybe using different words. They may be using different examples, but it's basically the same thing. Um, You're, you're, when you move from victim to survivor. Now that's a big breakthrough. But when you then actually take action. Consistently in one direction, that makes you a survivor. That's where post-traumatic growth comes in, and we see that we see that with so many women who have been abused, and nowadays are much stronger. Um, so you were referring earlier on that everyone has their trauma. One in three women in, a, in the United States and in the world will experience rape or sexual abuse. One in seven men. So here you go the statistics are there everyone will suffer from trauma everyone will have times which are bloody bloody hard and it's okay to be a victim for a certain time you need to lick your wounds mm-hmm. no two ways around it i need you to, to get clarity where you want to be but don't pitch a tent over there so don't just you know create a living over there but right. actually say okay fine yes That has all happened to me. And no, I didn't want that, but it has happened.
1: Now what? Yeah, and living in a world like that, like you mentioned, that one in three women, I mean, such a horrible statistic. When I hear, um, you know, I've heard rape somewhat kind of referred in the same category as some war stuff, but there are redeemable things about war like you have the bonds with your friends, you have Mm. these experiences you went through, but there's nothing redeemable about Mm. sexual assault or rape. So coming back from those is, uh, I think, I mean, obviously much harder than coming back from a combat experience where you can look back and you can say, you know, I was proud of what I was doing. I was there with my friends. But things like rape and sexual assault, Mm. finding your way back from that is a a complicated journey. Absolutely. The point, though, is
0: many, many women are are able to do so and mm-hmm. many women are now going out there and leaving their mark on the world as a, in response to their trauma they are not passive victims they have changed and they have transformed and they're now out there and trying to change the world and that's beautiful and that is what I wanted to show as an example that if such women can can go through that transformation then you have to say wow okay and that was that was what helped me i guess because i was in that that pity self-pity crap position god i was wallowing in my in my self-pity and ultimately my mentor gave me a, a book to read and uh and i thought i had it hard with to a number of things and then in this book this woman was basically um awful awful things happened to her and that all live within the 10 15 first pages and I read that I thought uh uh and whilst you should never compare traumas I mean every trauma is individual mm-hmm. Etc I was still saying wow okay she beat me hands down but her book was all about transforming and 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 growing after that trauma and I thought huh Okay, so it was the first time where I was actually pulled out of that self pity role, and maybe sometimes you need that. But again, this was a mentor who introduced me to that book, and she used that book as a hook for me to hold on to, or as a life ring to, for me to grab onto and get out of this 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 blah, dirty place of self pity. Um, mm-hmm. So. Whatever it takes, it mm-hmm. takes. But, it, you know, to, for, to establish post traumatic growth, you can't just do it all yourself. You really need mm-hmm. to find a community. And with community, I mean people who have been in your particular part of hell and who have found a way out, who are a bit further down the line, down the, the path, shall I say, and who can now show you what to do which steps to take and you actually did that with your college coming full circle now back into your role now and what you would try to do now you're trying to to help people um by giving them maybe some standard operating procedures um as far as life in college is concerned how do you survive college kind of a
1: thing um yeah and- i have a chapter in my book called uh build your armor and the entire thing is a Oh, your your support system and your community is your armor, yeah. but it takes, you have to put it on and maintain it. And, you, <laughs> your, and your team is always going to start with you. Yeah. So, you know, it starts with you, but you have to build positive relationships with people yeah. around you. And that is where a lot of veterans struggle because you come back and it's hard to relate to people. So my book gives some practical advice on how veterans can relate to their classmates, to professors, to society, yeah. and kind of Forge new friendships um, that aren't necessarily dependent on the military brilliant absolutely brilliant and with that basically
0: starting to create a new life Mm -hmm. so basically asking who do you want to be when you grow up and it doesn't matter how long you have been in the military or how long you have lived a certain type of life let's let's widen the whole the scope a bit you have lived that life that life was the past now, the past does not equal the future. So, okay, who do you want to be now? And to a mm-hmm. certain degree, um, yes, you might you might grieve for the loss of your past. That's okay for a little while. But you also have got a, a blank slate. You've got an empty canvas on which you can now paint the new you. And that is actually quite a cool position. You've got a freedom to, re- to start again. So yes, okay, put a bit of grief into it because yes, you're saying goodbye to the old guy. Um, but what about a new guy? When do does normal? When do norm, normal people? Uh, when do people <laughs> who go at eighteen into their job? Um, when do they? When do they get the opportunity, the privilege, to stop and think and assess? Maybe there is a better way to go. Very few people do that. Uh, those people who do it are like me, who basically crash and burn uh, with burnout or PTSD or depression or whatever it is. And then finally, we actually take some time out. Here you are as a veteran. Um, you, have, you have finished your military service uh, in your case. Now what? Now that is an opportunity. That is a, a positive thing if you choose to look at it like that.
1: Yeah, it's so easy to look at our obstacles and our problems as yeah. these insurmountable things when really they're just opportunities for us to better ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I think it's 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 just become so easy to keep playing the victim card over and over again, especially for military veterans. Cool. I think it's it's
0: you you put the onus on the veteran, and I think that is maybe ruffling some feathers. Um at the same token, though, I know exactly where you're coming from. And it's the same thing with addicts. It's the same thing with people going through mental health struggles. It's the same thing there. you have got choices that you can make every second. And for me as an addict, I can either work on my recovery or I can mm-hmm. work on my relapse. It's either or. Every decision brings me either one way or the other way.
1: Um, right. Every no. day you're moving towards your goals or away from them. But I exactly. like the recovery exactly. and relapse. And there's nothing that just drives me crazier, especially in the veteran community for people that did these incredible things, serving, you know, accomplished all these things, won mm-hmm. these awards, got these medals, and then they're kind of relegated to a life of misery when they get mm-hmm. out. Yeah. No, brilliant. Brilliant. John, I think you've done
0: a, a, a fantastic work there by actually putting some very practical suggestions together and some some how to do kind of you know transition from the military for dummies um and i think that's <laughs> that, <laughs> i think that's so so important and it's so so beautiful uh, maybe maybe this might be the start of a movement that you're creating the snowball system um that sort of turns into an avalanche would that be nice to to actually help other people transition and then in turn uh, take on leadership roles that potentially make this world a better place because certainly mm-hmm. certain certain parts of military thinking can be very advantageous um some parts eh, maybe not so okay fair call i mean it is uh, if you if you are used to uh, ass kicking maybe in the Western world, not so accepted at home. Um, right. Okay.
1: Same so things like cursing all the time and stuff like that, it's not always the best in polite society, but there's <laughs> there's definitely things you learn as far as, you know, discipline, commitment, teamwork, and things like that. And I think that, you know, one of the good things about the military is you are put in Uh, situations of hardship and that's how you grow is through hardship so Mm -hmm. veterans are fortunate because you get to experience hardship it's all about how you can grow from that because like you mentioned everyone's going to have things that happen to them over the course of their life Wow,
0: john if if people really gel with what you have said where can they find their
1: book where can they find you so my website is johnhdaviswriter.com, and that's where I have my blog, resources for student veterans, um, and my book. Brilliant. And guys, look down there into the description
0: of the YouTube video and of the podcast. You find it there. And whilst you're down there, press the like and the subscribe button uh, so that you're not missing out any of the other cool interviews I'm doing, because I've got the privilege to... to to find these people out there to people like like john, who is who has gone through hell. And now is 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 has moved to the Friver side, and is is making this world a better place. And how cool is that for me to talk to him. And I enjoy that. So john, thank you so much for for sharing your the lessons you've learned the hard way, and letting me benefit from them because you know even listening to you a few things clicked in my head where I thought yeah okay a bit more work to be done there or a bit more ah different way of looking at things one way or the other I I come out of this interview a, a different man and I like that I like that a lot. so John, I'm very very grateful that you came onto my show.
1: Thanks and I, I enjoy the conversation and I I'm gonna take that you're there. Recover your relapse every day. You're working on one of the other ones. I'm going to call my grandfather and say that after this.
0: (laughs) Cool. And you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye.